The right habits put you in control of your health, relationships, mindset, and more. But most people lack the tools to stick with those habits long enough to see results. That is about to change. Welcome to the Unshakable Habits Podcast with your host, habit change specialist and speaker, Stephen Box. Join us each week as experts share their stories, experiences, and insights and give you the tools to build unshakable habits so you can live life on your terms. It's time to take your habits from unsustainable to unshakable. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unshakable Habits Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Box. And if you are someone who is dealing with or has dealt with a divorce, I've got a really special treat for you today because I have Jen Harris here with me today. Jen, welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. So we're going to dive into your story a little bit because you actually went through a, a pretty bad divorce. And the really cool thing I liked about your story was that it's not something that you allow to beat you down. It was something that you actually used to reinvent yourself. And you you did this using what you call your divorce bucket list. And so we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit today. Before we dive into that, I do want to remind everyone of the Unshakable Habits Framework, because this is the context at which we're going to look at Jen's story today. And it will help you to implement some of what she did directly back into your own life. The, per, the first part of that framework is all about having a vision. Now, visions are different than goals. Visions are about the way you think, the way you act, the things that you actually have control over. Goals are about outcomes, which we don't necessarily always have full control over. Nothing wrong with having goals, but we need to have a vision first. Once you have a vision, you start to understand the person that you're trying to become. You realize you need to develop some skills or improve ones you already have. That's the second part of the framework. And of course, in order to develop those skills, we need to take some kind of action or a practice. So this might be the same thing that you're doing repeatedly day in, day out, getting those fundamentals down, or it might just be taking a class or getting a coach or whatever that action is, is going to help you move toward building those skills. So that is our unshakable framework that we're going to be using today. So be on the lookout for those. And I'll try to point them out as we go through Jen's story today. Also, when we're, we're kind of looking at the different parts. So Jen, talk to me about this, this divorce bucket list. I mean, we're going to dive into your, your full story here, but just kind of start us off with an idea of what this concept was about. Sure. So at the beginning of my divorce, much like many people that went through their own divorce, there was a lot of negative behavior on my part, a lot of spiraling, a lot of negative emotions. And those negative emotions, you know, when your emotions get out of control, sometimes you start to lose touch of who you are. But not to mention when you're going through a divorce, you're already losing touch with who you are because you know, you've built this life around this partnership that you thought was forever and everything that you've built, your career, your family, your house. Sometimes you have businesses with the other person. Everything that you do involves that other person. And now that's changing. So your whole life is collapsing and you have to rebuild it. And that's very intimidating and scary. And so what happened was after I had gone through, and we can get into that, you know, into more details on that in a bit, after I had gone through some of my own struggles, the this point where I felt like I was at my rock bottom, I ended up coming up with a an accidental approach to start rebuilding my life again because I realized once I once I hit my rock bottom that I was merely just surviving through my divorce. And that if I didn't do something and make some type of a change, that I was going to end up in a really, really bad place or maybe not even here at all. And so something drastic needed to happen. And that's when I came up with this kind of, I always say I kind of fell into it. It was just something I was, I was having wine with a friend one night and we were talking about how 
I am completely type A. I don't do anything unless it's on a list. And we came up with this idea that I needed to create a list of things that I was going to do to help myself get back on track. And then it kind of evolved to not just getting back on track, not just surviving, but looking at it as, hey, you know what? I actually have this opportunity here. I have a blank slate and not many people are given that in life. I get to redefine my life going forward. So I started adding things to this list that would help me basically build a dream life for myself and and achieve things that I've always wanted and even you know dig into what do I want now that I am not part of a partnership anymore and I get to define what my life is going forward. So I kind of created this list and I started I love the the principles of un- the unshakable habits that you were talking about because I basically used a very similar approach where I had a vision of what I wanted. I create, you know, created the skills that I needed to attack each thing on my list. And then I took action. But it, you know, if, for example, one thing on the list being to run a race. For me, that I literally wrote run a 5K. I tripped and fell in deciding up for a half marathon instead. And it wasn't something where my action meant go from sitting on the couch to running a half marathon. It was little baby steps that helped me get there, but it was giving me progress, something to focus on other than the negativity of the divorce process surrounding me. And so that's kind of how it came about. Yeah, I love that. And I'm in total agreement with you that it's it's never the big step. It's always a series of little things and I think something you you kind of touched on there that I think is important for people to take note of is you didn't necessarily have to go out and give yourself this big, huge why, right? It was just, hey, my my why right now is I'm going to go run this race. And just having something to focus on, something outside yourself, but something that you had complete control over gave you that, you know, confidence that you needed to take those little steps. It gave you what you needed to be able to focus on and take your focus off of the negativity that was around you. Yes, exactly. And, you know, it was something where, you know, using that again, there were many things on the list, but just using that as an example, it was something where I just got in touch with myself. You know, like you said, it wasn't something where I was, you know, why do I want to do this? I didn't have to define that, but I want to do this. So it's going on the list. And I appreciate the fact that you're like, hey, look, it wasn't about just jumping up off the couch and going to run a race, right? Because that's what a lot of people do. When when we want to make a major change in our life, we go do something drastic. You know, all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm going to start waking up at 5 a.m. And I'm going to, you know, drink raw eggs like Rocky. And, you know, like, we're going to do all this crazy stuff. And it's like, but you never get out of bed before 8.30. And you hardly ever even eat breakfast. So, you know, that's probably not going to work out well for you. So the yeah. fact that you're acknowledging like, hey, I took small steps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you jump right into something sometimes and everyone's a little bit different, every situation and every goal is different. But if you jump headfirst into a lot of things and go from zero to 100, you could you can set yourself up for failure. Because if I get out of bed and I've never ran before and try to run a half marathon, I'm not going to do it. And I'm And then that's going to decrease my confidence to think I can do it. And so then I'm never going to try again. You have to take those little steps to build your confidence up to the point where you get to that end goal. It's a, it's a process. So for people out there who may be listening, who have never been through a divorce, it might be difficult for them to really grasp what going through that can actually do to someone's confidence. So kind of take this back. And and go through your story about your, you know, your relationship and your divorce and just kind of share that with us. Sure. So I'll start at the beginning, I guess. Uh, So my now ex-husband and I, we met at a very, very young age, one year after college. We had met in May of that year. And by August, by the first week of August, we were engaged. By September, we were living together, and a week later, we found out we were pregnant. So it was a very, very fast whirlwind kind of a romance. And I'm not saying that that means that everyone that jumps quickly into any type of commitment or relationship or marriage is going to fail. 
this is my story and what happened. I know a lot of people that have similar stories and have been married for 20 plus years. It's just, it depends on the situation for us. We were both not ready to get married. And in hindsight, I only know that. I didn't know it at the time. I thought I was, you know, we always think we're we're more ready than we are for things. But we both were bringing things into the marriage. We weren't ready to be good partners to anyone, let alone each other. We were both bringing things into the marriage from our past, from traumas from our past, uh, habits from our past, things that we needed to work on individually and what happened is it was just this perfect environment for toxicity. And as we started going throughout the marriage, obviously, like I said, we got pregnant before we even got married. We were engaged, but not yet married. And so even, even though early on, there were times where the signs were there that maybe we weren't ready, we still went ahead with actually getting married because we were having a baby. And, you know, I don't regret it at all. We have two beautiful children. I don't regret the journey because it made me who I am today. But what happened is throughout our 10, almost 10 year marriage, it just got more and more toxic as it went. I continued, I brought a lot of negative behavior, a lot of negative learned behavior, as well as, you know, childhood trauma behavior that I had not dealt with on my own. Uh, I did not know going into it that my now ex-husband was bringing his addiction battle into the marriage. And when I found out about that, I did not do the work that I needed to do to be a good partner to someone that was trying to recover from addiction. Uh, And so I became codependent. Uh, The relationship just continued to spiral into that toxicity. And so towards the end of the marriage, there was actually a part where I felt like I was just at complete rock bottom. I felt hopeless. Like there was no escape because for me, I'm the kind of person where marriage is marriage and there is no out. When I make a commitment, whether it's work, my business or a relationship, I'm all in until nothing else can be done. And to me, when you're married, there's no, no such thing as divorce. So even though there were multiple times where it crossed my mind, it was never a reality for me. So I felt very trapped. And while I was not working on myself and he was not working on himself and we were both just feeding each other's trauma, uh, there was a point where I actually even contemplated taking my own life, which is something I don't wish upon anyone and is part of why I do the work I do now because when you're stuck in a situation like that, you can feel hopeless, especially if you're contemplating divorce or even facing divorce. Maybe that person told you, hey, I want out, or you've decided there's no other way but out. You may still feel trapped and hopeless because it's the fear of the unknown. It's the uncertainty, and it's really intimidating and scary. And so I found myself in that place about a month before my now ex-husband said he wanted a divorce. I am forever grateful that he gave me that out, that he made that decision for us, even though it was the hardest thing I ever went through. Because after that, I was, after he said those words, I was able to step back and start doing the work I needed to do on myself in order to grow as a person, in order to heal the things that I had been through. We all, we all, listen, I'm no different than anyone else. We all have childhood trauma. And if you think you don't, then I think I would like to meet you (laughs) because I've never met someone that doesn't. But it's just something that a lot of us don't really realize, unfortunately, until we're much, much older and then start to work through. And so I was able to start working through that, you know, and as the divorce started, I started working through that. I started to feel like I was getting to a good place because Before we even filed for divorce, now, so he said this in September, he wanted a divorce. Everything happened in September for us, apparently. Uh, He had said in September he wanted a divorce. We did not actually file, and he did not move out till April of the following year. There was a lot of back and forth, questioning the decision, uh, trying to make it work here and there. But we were living in separate parts of the house, and we were we were basically fully separated. During that time, I started really working on myself. I cut out alcohol because I I had not only contemplated ending things for myself, but I also had developed an extreme panic and anxiety disorder where I couldn't couldn't even leave the house. I couldn't drive. I lost my job. It it was it was really, really bad. I was not functioning. And so I got to a point where I was like, I need to make a change. 
because I'm about to face a divorce and I know it's only going to get worse and harder. And so I cut out alcohol. I made, you know, I made all these changes to my habits and they were little changes that I continued to build upon. And I started to feel like I was in a good place. Then come April, uh, my now ex-husband officially filed and moved out and it kind of just hit me in the face. It was like whack-a-mole, you know? I felt like I was coming out and then someone just whacked me on the head and right back down I went. And I went into this, you know, negative spiral in a really dark place of toxic behavior. I was on Tinder way, way, way too much. Uh, I'll let you draw your own conclusions about what that means. I was, I, I went back to drinking to, to cope with my emotions again. My codependent behaviors came back out and a lot, I, I basically regressed from some of the work I had been doing. So I went back to counseling, got really heavy into that again. And that's when I developed my divorce bucket list. And from there, I started taking those baby steps to do the little things uh, on the list, checked it off one by one. And all of these things were things to build confidence, to rebuild my life, to rebuild and rediscover myself because going through that divorce, I was lost. Who was I? You know? And like you had asked about the confidence part, it broke my confidence down completely. You, you're in this marriage. You, you're, I've got this. Life is awesome. And then you go through a divorce and you're like, I'm not worthy of love. I'm, I'm, I'm alone. I don't know who I am. Your confidence just goes completely down to zero or negative. And so I had to rebuild that. So I start doing all these things. I start with little things. I have so many fun stories about all the things that happened on the bucket list. I, I just, I'm so grateful for that journey that it took me on. But basically it culminated at the end with me uh, standing on stage in front of thousands in London at the end of my dream solo trip that I took to rediscover myself where I put my crown back on my head and I showed others that, you know, no matter what you're going through, even if it's the hardest thing you've ever faced in your life. And there are studies showing that divorce is one of the most traumatic things that you can face in your life. But no matter what it is you're going through, no matter what obstacle you're facing or what how you feel, you can overcome, you can rebuild, and you can truly thrive through and on the other side of it. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Wow, you, you really gave us a lot to uh, kind of dig into there, so... <laughs> I like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one of the things that really stood out to me when you when you were talking there was, and that I've seen this in other areas, you know, dealing with people trying to make changes in their life, where we have self imposed rules, and you kind of had that rule of, hey, you know, married, that's it. There is no out. Um, we're getting through this. That's my rule, right? Now, mm -hmm. there's no there's no one who enforces that rule upon you. That's your own rule. I mean, now it might come from, you know, a religious background, might come from, you know, family beliefs, cultural beliefs, wherever the belief came from. But it was a rule that you had that was very important to you. And I think it's important for people to maybe hear this because ultimately that rule is what led you down that path of almost, you know, taking your own life, getting into alcohol because you felt trapped by that rule. Yeah, definitely. And I would say for me, the role was society-based, you know, and, and at the time, while I am no longer in network marketing at the time, I was a top leader in a network marketing company and that meant a lot of eyes on me. Yeah. So I was very present on social media and so it was this pressure that I I have everything together, you know, that I had to keep up. And so, you know, not only does society say you get married and that's that's it, you know, happily ever after, you got to be the perfect couple. There aren't any issues. You got to be, you know, put on the face for the public. Not only that, but I was also in the spotlight and I felt like this incredible pressure on me to succeed in the marriage to prove that I could do it all. Yeah. So you just hit on something that I think is a is a great kind of just side topic for us to kind of dive into here a little bit. And that is you had this presence on social media where you felt that, hey, I need to portray that I have everything together. And this is something a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, deal with, right? 
especially if you're a coach of some kind where you feel this need to appear better than you are because otherwise people won't take you seriously. But I think you also see this a lot of times with parents where they see other parents bragging about stuff, posting about stuff, saying how great life is and whether it is or isn't, that's what they see. And now they feel compelled to try to keep up with that. Uh, So can you kind of dive into that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, social media has created a monster, right? We always, I think as human beings have thrived to compare ourselves to others. It's just natural human habit that we look at what someone else does or has and we think, oh, I want that or I can be that. And so social media has created this way that that amplifies that even further than what it was pre-social media. And so, you know, especially, you know, it, and it doesn't even have to relate to divorce. It can be anything. You might see somebody, like you said, it could be parenting. It could be um, corporate America business success. It could be a hobby that someone has that you're like, oh, I want time for a hobby on top of, you know, making ends meet because I'm a single mom for five children and I have to work you know, 80 hours a week, but I see this person over there doing that. So I want to do it. And it's, it's just, it's easy to fall into. It's unfortunately just so easy to fall into that, but it's important to take a step back and, and constantly get in touch with yourself. You know, not what does society want from me? What does social media want from me? It's something that, especially as I stepped away from network marketing and that pressure of, you know, the social media presence, 24 seven, literally, I was on there 24 seven. So being able to step back from that sometimes and say, listen, I'm a human being. I'm not perfect. And I'm also not Susie over there. She's got she is a whole different person. She brings different skills to life. She has a different circumstance in her life. I have my circumstances and I have desires. I don't have to set my desires in life and my goals in life around what other people are doing and want. So I think that's important. Yeah. And and you actually just kind of there at the end hit up something I was going to follow up with is my assumption here is, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that that's kind of part of what the bucket list is about. It's about figuring out what's important to you, taking that pressure off of what society expects from you or what you see other people doing and getting caught up in the moment and instead putting the focus back on what's really important to you. Exactly. And that's why, so like I told you, I accidentally fell into creating my own divorce bucket list. But since then, I went on to get training to learn about confidence and transformation coaching and and neuroscience and all that stuff. And I actually kind of vamped it up into a, an actual process. And so I love when people go through that the part, like the way that you're formally creating your, your bucket list is digging into rediscovery of yourself, visualization of what you want and identifying your true identity and your true, like you said, vision and desires out of life. And then translating that into a, basically the, the items on the list. You know, it's interesting because one thing that I've seen, especially people have gone through a transformation. You know, I have my 80 pound weight loss, you have your divorce and people have different transformations that they've gone through. But no matter what the transformation is, I've seen a consistent story pop up over and over, which is that a lot of times when you're doing these things, it's not that you set out with this perfect plan. As a matter of fact, usually you're just guessing your way through it the first time. And I think Mm -hmm. that's great for people to hear because so often people think, well, I just don't have the skills or the time or the money to be able to commit to getting where I want to go. And the good news is most of us didn't develop the skills, get the money or really have the time until after we started doing it. And it was we got to where we wanted and it was nowhere near perfect. But then once we were there and we understood really what was needed, it became easier to actually get good at it. Yep. Yeah. And that's so true for not just my divorce, like going into a divorce, hardly anyone knows unless you've been through it already, 
what it's going to entail. So you kind of fumble your way through it at first, especially. And it was like that for my divorce bucket list too. All the, all the items on it, it actually, you made me think of the, the one. uh, So I I wanted to do a couple home improvement projects because I wanted, again, that went to the confidence because a lot of the times for a female, when you're living in a joint household, a lot of the times the responsibility of home improvement falls on the male figure in the household. And there are exceptions, but I had never, you know, fixed a toilet seat or anything like that. And I put some home improvement projects on my list to boost my confidence. Just, hey, you can be alone. You can do this alone, you know, especially if you're going through a divorce and you're coming out of it and you'd been in that relationship for a really long time. I never lived alone in my life until post-divorce. So uh, so I, I put that on the list and it, it what you're saying just reminds me of, I tried to it, install a toilet seat. Sounds simple, right? You know, it's what a five minute project to take the old one off and put the new one on. Well, it was corrode. My old one was corroded. And so I was literally borrowing power, power tools from my neighbors for a toilet seat change. I was laying under the toilet with a, oh, it's not here. I thought it was here, but I normally have it around here, but uh, a candle lighter, like trying to melt the plastic from the metal. It was, it was a mess. I had no clue what I was doing, but you know what? We have a functioning brand new toilet seat and, you know, I figured it out. And that's, that's a lot of what these things are. You just have to get started and try, and you might think it's going to go one way or you might not have any clue, but you figure it out. Yeah. And, and I love, I love the fact that you you shared that story because it's, it's um, one of those things you don't sometimes realize what you're getting into, right? You're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, that's going to be simple. Yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, so one thing I wanted to kind of go back and also talk about when you were sharing your story, you mentioned how there came this point where you realized that you were bringing a lot of negativity to the relationship on your own. And I know from having several friends who have gone through divorces, that's, I think one of the hardest things for most people to accept is their part of it. So can you kind of dive into what was it that helped you to realize that you were actually bringing that negativity? So I think it's kind of two-parted. So first of all, I like to compare this to if you've ever had a group picture taken. So maybe it was like a class picture or something like that. There's a photographer and then there's all the people in the picture. If you're in the picture, you're not really aware of everything going on as a whole. You're aware of whether or not you're smiling. You might know whether or not someone's touching your shoulder. But if someone's behind you and their eyes are closed, you have no clue, right? Because you can't see it because you're inside of it. You only see what you can see in your immediate vision. And then you have the photographer who's outside of the picture taking the picture because he's not in the group because he's not inside of it, he can see the entire picture. He's aware of everything that's going on. He can see whether someone's smiling or if they're making a silly face, if they're giving someone bunny ears, and he can correct that. That's a lot like what divorce or even being in a relationship or any kind of situation really is. When you're in it, it's really hard to see the entire perspective. And so it's easy to put blame on the other person because that's what you're seeing. You're not seeing, you're not watching it from an outside perspective and seeing your behavior as well. And sometimes too, you're just really comfortable, right? So when you're comfortable, you're not self-reflecting. You're only going to really self-reflect if you get outside of your comfort zone. And our brains, when it comes to neuroscience and brain science, it's proven that our brains are are meant to keep us in a comfort zone. Anything that we start to do that's outside of it, they're like, nope, scary, stop that. So you often don't want to do the self-work or the self-reflection because you're comfortable and in that comfort zone, and that means scary and unknown. So between not being able to see the full picture and being comfortable, it's, it's easy to not see what we're bringing into a relationship. 
for me, as I was in it, I never really saw my negative behaviors. I mean, I may have been aware like, oh, I raised my voice. I shouldn't have done that. Or, oh, that was a bad experience. I Here's what I did wrong. But I didn't ever really view it while I was in the marriage as I need to fix that or that's caused by something from my past. It wasn't until it was a complete failure that I had to step back and reflect and say, okay, well, I'm already uncomfortable because now I have to go through a divorce. But why did it happen? And I don't ever want that to happen again. So what can I fix to make sure it doesn't happen again? Because I can't control what that person did, you know, whether it's addiction, cheating, abuse, I cannot control that. But what I can control is how I view myself, my self-worth, how I react to a situation if it happens, and how I behave in general and treat other people. And so I can unlearn negative behaviors. I can do the work necessary to fix those things. And once I was able to step back and, you know, just like even if you're in a group picture, the photographer takes the picture, they deliver it to you. You get to look at it. It was like that. It was like somebody finally handed me the picture and I was like, oh my gosh, that person was giving me bunny ears or, oh, I thought my eyes were open, but they were really closed. And I could really assess the situation so that I could make the changes and like I said, when it came to the comfort level, the divorce was uncomfortable. So I had to get uncomfortable if I wanted any type of change because I knew, you know, being presented with divorce, I had paths to choose and I could either let it ruin me or I could, comp- con- or I could repeat it. I could continue as I was and get in a new relationship and repeat it. Or I, c- I could look at it as this complete reinvention of everything in my life and become a better version of myself and, and get into a better relationship and better habits. I, I love the way that you broke that down. And you you mentioned a little bit of the science there about how our, our brains operate. And, and I'm going to kind of dive into that just a little bit deeper because I feel like this really ties in with what you were just saying. So when we are in a new situation where our stress level starts to rise, our body has four natural responses. It's, you know, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And fawn is one most people probably aren't aware of, but that's when you start trying to be a people pleaser and you try to like deescalate the situation. So for you, when you found yourself in that situation, a lot of people that I've known anyways have gone through divorce their natural tendency is to flee from that discomfort. They're trying to get away from it as fast as they possibly can. And you had some of that in your, in your relationship, right? You had, you know, Mm -hmm. you said you thought about taking your life. You turned to alcohol. Those are things that are fleeing. But in that moment, when you had the power to make a choice, you chose fight. You said, you know what? I'm already uncomfortable rather than trying to get away from the discomfort because that hasn't worked for me in the past. Let me actually face it. Yep. And you hit it on the head because I don't think that just one of those happened to me during the whole process. They all did. Because if I think back on it, now that you put it that way, in the beginning, when I first started facing you know, the fact that my husband was battling addiction and then recovering from it, I was in the fawn state, people pleasing. And that's how I fell into codependency. And then from there, I entered that flea part, right? Because like you, like, like we already talked about, you know, trying to escape the, the feelings in multiple ways. Then I went into freeze when the divorce started, like frozen in bed. There were so many days that I didn't get out of bed. If I didn't have my kids, because we have split custody now at this point, but if I didn't have my kids, there were days I did not move from my bed. And so there was the freeze. And then it wasn't until I kind of processed, it's just like the stages of grief, right? Like I went through all of these stages and then I finally said, enough is enough. If, If it was almost like an ultimatum, if I don't get to the fight stage, then I'm either not gonna be here or I will never be happy. And and the thing I think that's so powerful about that is that recognition that those are our natural responses, but we can practice 
the one that we actually want to choose. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's not easy. <laughs> no, no, it's not easy. No, 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 no one's promised an easy path here whatsoever. But, you know, that's that's what you were able to do. And that's why you were able to make this transformation. And I, I just kind of wanted to point that out because I want people as we kind of transition here to talk a little bit more about the bucket list as well. I want people to realize that no matter where you are right now in your process, you always have the power to make a decision on how you want to move forward. Yep, exactly. And I love that you said no matter where you are in your process, because I love that I work with people in all stages of the divorce process when it comes to their divorce bucket list, because, and what I find is the sooner you start, even though it might take you a lot of time to get through it, the sooner you start, the more you're going to empower yourself to not only feel better about yourself, but often get more out of the divorce that that you want. So whether that's assets or living situation or custody or whatever, you're empowering yourself by doing it so you can get more out of it. But it doesn't matter if you're you know, considering divorce and you just need to empower yourself. You know, maybe you're just starting, maybe you're thinking about it, maybe you're it's already over and you just need to rebuild your life. It doesn't matter where you are. Just taking those steps and and starting is what's important. So tell me a little bit here, and we're going outside of your personal experience here, but we're now moving into like your coaching experience. So for maybe for that person out there who they don't actually want the divorce. They're they're still kind of holding on to it. So maybe they don't see, like you said, they're still in the middle of it. They don't see the the bunny ears and, and the closed eyes and all that stuff that the photographer sees. What do you, how do you help that person out? Like, how do you help them to realize when it's time to continue to fight for that marriage versus when it's time to let it go? So a lot of times what I found in my experience is when you're going through that situation where you're you want to still fight for it, but they don't, uh, sometimes changing perspective changes everything. And I've seen it go both ways with what I'm about to say, but our perspective defines our reality. So something could happen where you go into a coffee shop and someone spills their coffee on you, and you can say, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. They're the worst." I, you know, and blame them. Or you can look at it and say, oh, I stepped into their way and I caused that to happen and take the blame for it. You can also look at it as, oh my gosh, this happened to me. This is the worst day ever. I'm having a horrible day. Woe is me. Or you can look at it as, oh my gosh, that just happened. I get to choose how to react. And I am a human being. I have control over my attitude for the rest of the day. So I can shake this off or not shake this off. So the same thing goes with, you know, that person wants the divorce, but you don't, you can look at it in perspective of, oh, this sucks. I'm never going to be happy again. Cause that's my only person in this world. And you know, all the thoughts that run through your head, or you can look at it as, okay, this is the decision they are making right now. Life is fluid guys. Life is fluid. Things, emotions are fluid situations are fluid, circumstances are fluid. So you can look at it as, okay, life is fluid. This is what they want right now. And I'm going to respect that. And while they're going to go through their journey, even though I do not want this and it's scary, I can think to myself and maybe journal, why don't I want this? Because a lot of times people realize the reason they don't want it is just because of fear. When they sit down and actually do the reflection, they realize that the divorce or the split is actually for their better, their betterment too. And that in the end, they end up wanting it too. So like I said, it can go multiple ways. But when you start going through these questions that you can ask yourself and changing your perspective and doing these exercises, you can often find peace at least, at the very least. But sometimes what happens too is, all right, you, you, you accept that this is what this person wants. You cannot control it. And you start focusing on yourself, your confidence, rebuilding, and sometimes it comes back around and you end up back together because you've done the work on yourself that is going to then feed into the positive positivity of the relationship, which is going to make it better and salvageable instead of 
those negative wanting and, and toxic behaviors of needing that person to not leave you. Yeah. And I think you answered that actually better than I asked it. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you, you, I mean, I think what you hit on there is is really the key. It's, it's about asking those reflective questions. It's about, again, getting back to your why of things. And if you're focused on making yourself better, then, you know, if you were a big part of the problem in the marriage, if your own toxicity was part of the issue and you're working on yourself, then that may resolve the issue. And then, you know, that may also help that person to realize what they're bringing to the relationship that they need to work on. And then separately outside of you, they're making that decision. You may end up staying married and things may end up being great. Or you may both kind of get outside of that situation, get outside of that fear and realize, you know what, this really is the best thing to do moving forward to just to end this. Yeah. And it really, it really is a ripple effect in either direction. You know, when you start doing work on yourself and accepting your role in the marriage or the divorce, then often it takes away the, the negative feelings that both of you have the resentment, right? It takes that away and you're able to both kind of move forward in a positive direction one way or another. And I want to give hope to everyone out there that feels that way, that is in that situation, because not just myself, but many, many other people who felt the same thing because I was there. I, I didn't want the divorce. I didn't believe in it. I'm grateful for it now, but I found myself in a relationship that is so healthy. Like I have never been happier in my life with a person it's just, there's communication. Every, every girl out there, and I'm just speaking to the girls right this second, but every girl out there is like, I want a partner that communicates. You never think you're going to find it. I finally found someone that I can sit down and have a conversation with in the most healthy manner. And, you know, just it, all it took was letting go of the negative relationship I was in. Imagine if I was still clinging to that right? I would have never found this person and be and be happy and, and full of joy and at peace. Now I would still be in this toxic environment where I was crying every night, wanting to take my life, you know, acting out, not, not a good person myself, you know? So sometimes you have to let go of the things that you think you want so that you can be given the things that are even better for you. Yeah. And and I just want to add to that, that, you know, one thing that I heard, one of my mentors shared with me years ago that has always stuck with me and I think is very relevant to what you were just saying is that every behavior, every habit that we have is an attempt to solve a problem. And whether it's a helpful thing that you're doing or an unhelpful thing that you're doing, it still is an attempt to solve that problem. So if you're in a situation where you're feeling all this pressure, you're feeling all these things, don't beat yourself up over the behaviors because they're there to solve a problem. Figure out what problem they're solving and then figure out a a better way to solve it. I love that. And you just happen to have a tool for people to to actually do that, which is your divorce bucket list. Mm -hmm. Nice nice transition there, right? (laughs) So, so you're so a pro. Me, so, so, so talk to me about because I'm, I'm sure a lot of people when they kind of have heard what we've talked about so far, they might be thinking, well, you know, I can make a list. Right. So but you said that when you really started to study this, you realized it wasn't just a matter of writing down a list of things. So kind of talk to us a little bit about that. Like what makes what you do not just a list of random things? So. Like you said, as I started to study things and really learn more and more about brain science, obviously the background that I had been in uh, with my previous careers, I had already started to kind of learn about brain science and neuroscience. And once I went through my divorce is when I said, okay, well, let me really dive into specifically the divorce realm and so that I can help other people. And when I started to learn about transformation and confidence, which are the two things that help you through a divorce... I started to realize that I had put some things on my list that helped that the reason it was so effective was because those things helped me with my transformation and my confidence. And it was one of those things where I did it on accident, but I realized as I started to learn more and more that these things belonged there for a reason. 
And so I came up with some different uh, journaling prompts or, you know, coaching prompts that I work with people on that really help you dig into you. Who am I? Who do I want to be? You know, what have I lost touch with? And not just that, but also things that are going to help you build confidence and things that are going to help you through change because change is scary and we all hate change. Nobody likes it. Uh, sometimes we do, but it's it's really an intimidating thing. And so for people to be able to do little exercises that can help them step into and be confident about change is really going to overall in, increase their confidence about the transformation from being married to divorce and whether that's single mom, shared custody, maybe you don't have kids and you're just single again, maybe your your aim is a new relationship, whatever it is, it's going to help you into that in the most positive and efficient manner possible. Yeah, and, and I love the fact that kind of really what you're pointing out here is that if you just randomly start listing off things, you may eventually get there. Mm-hmm. And that might work out just fine for you. But if you're working with a coach, then there's a couple of things that help you out. So number one, you're going to save a lot of time because that person is going to be able to see things from a different perspective as you, and they're going to be able to give you those insights. Mm-hmm. The second thing is when you are a lot of times doing things on your own, you're unable to disconnect yourself from the things that caused you problems in the first place. And it's good to have someone who has the ability to go, hey, you're trying to take too much on right now. You're trying to make too big of a change. Let's scale it back. It's that accountability piece. Because when you're trying to overcome stuff, you have a tendency to overcompensate. You know, we all do it. We all want Mm -hmm. to if we're going to make a change, like you said earlier, when you, you're the kind of person you go all in, that gets us how you go to sign up for a 5K and accidentally do a half marathon. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. I would, I, would, I would never make that mistake, just so we're clear. <laughs> I ran a 5K once. I almost died. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was fun in the end. It was at Disney, so it was a trade-off. <laughs> But but yeah, so I, I like the fact that you're you're kind of pointing out that like, you know, this is something that is more strategic. It's not just a random list of things. It's there's a strategy to it and it's they're designed to help build your confidence up slowly so that that way there aren't any setbacks. That way you're you're constantly moving forward. And, and I think that's really the key whenever you're trying to get through any kind of trauma, whether it's divorce or anything else, is you have to slowly build yourself forward constantly. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's all about progression. I always say progression, not perfection. Yes, absolutely. Actually, my I have a shirt on right now. You can't read it, but it actually says progress, not perfection. Really? It's like I, it's like I wore the shirt. It's like I wore the shirt just for you today. I, and I, I really can't see it. That's hilarious. <laughs> So I know you also have a free guide that people can go download. So do you want to share a little bit about that? Sure. So I, yep, definitely. So I do have a book that goes over the entire process of the divorce bucket list. It's a kind of a memoir, but it also mixes in self-help and everything. But I also, and you can get that on Amazon or anywhere that you can get a book, but I also have a free guide that you guys can take advantage of. Uh, He's showing the link right now, but for those that might be listening without any visual, it's go.divideguide.com slash free divide guide. And that is going to give you some key steps that you can take to start empowering yourself, to start working through your divorce. And so as you start doing those things, you can kind of come up with your own mini bucket list. Uh, and then if you find that that's helpful, you can go on and and use the book to come up with a full one. Cool. And what's the name of the book? Divorce Bucket List. Divorce Bucket List. Okay. And just for anyone who is listening, I will include both the link to the book itself as well as to the free guide in the show notes. So you can uh, just go to the show notes and be able to get that. Awesome. 
And Jen, outside of outside of the book and the free guide, if someone wants to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Or are those so, the best ways? <laughs> no, those are great ways. But I also have a lot of resources available at www.divideguide.com, as well as I can be found on most major social media platforms with the handle Divide Guide Jen with two N's. And I will assume that you're no longer trying to keep up that perfect image and being on the 24-7, but no, still, still waiting the value. <laughs> yes, it is raw and vulnerable on there and just full of value. I am not perfect, and I like to to flaunt that. Awesome. So so, so people can come and connect with the real gin, not, mm-hmm. not the perfectly curated gin. Yes, not the gen that needs to show everyone that you need to do something in one certain way. It's the gen that's real and and there's all kinds of walks welcome. Awesome. Love it. All right. Final message. If people leave with nothing else today, what do you want them to leave with? You're worth it. You're worth more than what you might be settling for, whether that comes to marriage or divorce or something else in your life. Maybe you're not even contemplating divorce and you're you're looking at something else, a promotion at your job or something like that. Just know you're worth it. You deserve it. It's easy to talk yourself out of it, but you deserve to truly thrive and get everything you want in the short life you have. Awesome. Love it. One thing I do want to point out, because we actually talked about this a little bit before uh, we started filming today. I know for a lot of times when, when people hear about divorce coaching and things like that, it's something that women tend to be attracted to, but men not so much uh, because they don't necessarily think that the person is going to help them or they don't feel like that they're supported in that. And you do actually work with both men and women. So if there's any guys out there who are going through this situation and you feel like you could benefit from Jen's hell, know that she does work with both men and women and that you can also reach out to her. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming today, Jen, and sharing your story and your insights with us. And I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day for everyone else. Be sure to come back and join us. If you have not already, go ahead and hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube, or you can also subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, go out and be unshakable. Thanks for listening to the Unshakable Habits Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please subscribe at unshakablehabits.com slash YouTube or on your favorite podcast app. You can learn more about Unshakable Habits at unshakablehabits.com. Until next week, be unshakable, my friends.